أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم ولكم نصف ما ترك أزواجكم إن لم يكن لهن ولد فإن كان لهن ولد فلكم الربع مما تركن من بعد وصية من بعد وصية يوصين بها أودين ولهن الربع مما تركتم إن لم يكن لكم ولد صدق الله العظيم Yesterday we discussed the background to the laws of inheritance and some little understanding of the hikmah and the wisdom in the allocation of the shares, etc. There are many details in this regard, but we are just touching certain things. In this ayat, which is also a continuation of the same discussion, what Allah Ta'ala also mentions here is, in terms of the shares, full, paying out the shares, مِن بَعْدِ وَسِيَّتِي بِهَا After any wasiyat has been made. So, on the note of wasiyat, normally the wasiyat and will is regarded as one and the same thing, but there is a difference in the whole issue. So today we will briefly discuss what is the will all about, and then follow on onto wasiyat itself in terms of what is being referred to in this ayat. As mentioned yesterday, that in terms of the will, nobody has anything that he has to state in the will in terms of which of his heirs will get what. That is not in anybody's choice. Allah Ta'ala has already determined that. And those details have been fixed in the Qur'an Sharif itself. The Qur'an Sharif is a very concise book of principles. Many details are not in the Qur'an Sharif itself. The aspect of Salah, the command of Salah is almost 700 times in the Qur'an Sharif. But the details of Salah, what to recite in the first rakat, what to recite in Ruku, what to recite in Tashahud, and all, and many other details, are not in the Qur'an Sharif, Allah Ta'ala gave us those details via Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. In the ahadith, all those details are recorded. Likewise, the details of zakat, the details of hajj, the details of fasting, all these details, Allah Ta'ala gave us those details via Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. In the ahadith, it's all there for us. But when it comes to inheritance, despite the concise nature of the Qur'an Sharif, the details of the shares are mentioned in the Qur'an Sharif. What will the wife's share be? This is her share. That's in the Qur'an Sharif. The parents' proportion, what they will get in the Qur'an Sharif. If the wife passed away, what the husband will get? That you will get half of whatever the, your wife has left behind. If she has no child, the Qur'an Sharif states this clearly. And if she has children, فَإِن كَانَ لَهُنَّ وَلَدٌ فَلَكُمُ الرُّبُعُ Then the husband will get a quarter. All these details, the finer details of inheritance laws are in the Qur'an Sharif. So Allah Ta'ala has already very very clearly given us these details and there is nothing to record in this regard. The only thing that may be recorded for the sake of the correct uh, 
execution of the estate is that a person should state in his will, which in the pre-printed wills that are available, it is already there, that my estate must be wound and distributed according to the law of Islamic law, laws of succession, that takes care of it. It's already predetermined. Nobody has any right to interfere with that. Anybody does anything in according to his own whim and fancy, starts stating some things, like we discussed yesterday, this child would get this and that child would get that. All that is null and void. It is haram to make such a will. It is haram for anybody to receive that in terms of the will. The person who receives that also is receiving other people's rights. If it tamples the rights of others, he is receiving other people's rights. And he too will be equally answerable. If he is aware that this was made wrongly, then he will be equally answerable. Many a times, people leave behind wills which are un-Islamic. There are various clauses in there which are not compliant with Shariat. And in terms of that un-Islamic will, some person, one of the heirs or some heirs, they stand to gain more than what their Islamic share is. So at that time suddenly, the person now, the respect, so-called respect in inverted commas, of the deceased comes that, no, you've got to respect the wishes of the deceased. Now because he stands to get more according to the will, now he suddenly wants to respect. He didn't respect his old father the whole, his whole life while he was living. Now after he's gone, he wants to respect his wishes. Because in so-called respecting his wishes, he stands to gain more in terms of the estate. So this is totally haram. A person receiving something in this way, should understand that it is haram. It is like, and many a times a person says he was respected. Can we imagine if somebody in his will, he made a bequest. The person, whoever he may have been, he made a bequest. Then so and so, well I have this farm. What farm it is? He is raising and grazing swine. He says I make a bequest of hundred swine for so and so. So now the person should be very happy to receive it that he will get hundred khinzir, hundred swine, because somebody made a bequest. So he has to respect that bequest. He will regard it as the worst insult that this person, even after he left, he insulted him in this way. So just as a person will feel insulted to receive that bequest, or even to hear that somebody made such a bequest for him, what bequest was made in the form of some, whether it was whatever, but in the will, somebody be, made a bequest or made out a will which was un-Islamic, and he stands to gain something which was not his right, then that and these swine is no different. Receiving this wealth in this haram manner, and receiving that swine as part of somebody's bequest, is one and the same. So, the thing is that to understand that what Allah Ta'ala has already determined, what Allah Ta'ala has fixed, this is something that will not change. Anybody writing anything else in their will, this will not be worth the paper it's written on, Legally, somebody forces their way because of the laws of the land. They try to force their way and take that wrongfully. But how far and how long? In this dunya also, things will get affected as a result. And in the akhirat, the person has to answer for it. So, In any case, taking this further, that this aspect of the will, the first thing is, as we mentioned, that there is nothing to write in the will in terms of shares of which A will get what, how much of a share. That is already predetermined. Apart from that, it can be now 
either fard for a person to write a will, or it can be sunnat. In the hadith, Nabi Salaam says that ma haqqum ri'im muslimin lahu shay'un yusi fihi yabitu laylatayn illa wa wasiyatuhu maktubatun inda. That it is not correct for a person to even pass two nights without having written down his will if there is something that he has to necessarily write down. So for example, a person has debts. Now one is day-to-day debts, like in the business world, it carries on. But those debts are recorded somewhere. Any person has access to it. The person who is not even in any way owning that business, but he's merely working there as an accountant or something, he also knows what the debts are. The point is that the debtors are, the, the creditors are known. So it is possible to trace it, to follow it up. Likewise, people are owing him money. So the business debts, day-to-day business debts, that is all recorded there, so that's fine. But something that was done privately, nobody else knows about it, it's not recorded anywhere. So already we discussed this a few days back, that these things should have been recorded to start off with in any case, irrespective of the will, etc. These things need to be recorded. So... If a person is owing something, somebody is owing him, he needs to have some kind of record of it somewhere. Otherwise, if he passes away without such a record, now the creditors come to claim, and his heirs are saying, we have no idea about what you're talking, you have any proof, bring the proof, he's got no proof, who is going to be responsible for this, we are gone to our graves, we will be answerable for it. Because we left no record of owing this money to the person and his right now got taken away. He cannot prove it. So we are responsible for it. The debt is still outstanding. It cannot get paid here. It did not get paid in dunya. It will get paid in akhirat. And as we discussed, one dirham, 700 accepted salah will go in return of it. So this is a major thing. It's no minor thing. So... If a person has anything of this nature to write down, then he must write it down. The issue is that nothing must be left in such a way that somebody's right is trampled. Just on the side, but this is also an important thing, but it's on the side as well because this happens on the side sometimes. That sometimes people have, people have a second wife on the side. Nobody else knows about it. So that's why this is on the side. But the thing to understand is, one is that to have a nikah done in this way, secretly, that itself is against the very spirit of nikah. This is not part of the subject, but since we have come on to the point, in the Hadith Sharif, Nabi Islam says, أَعْلِنُوا النِّكَاهِ وَجَعَلُوهُ فِي الْمَسَاجِدِ Announce the nikah and have it in the masjid. Why have it in the masjid? Because that itself is also a form of elan. That it will be in a public place, the musallis are there, people are witnessing that this nikah is taking place. And announce it, let it be known publicly that this nikah has taken place. Among many other things, that this is, though the nikah technically is valid, that it was done, though people didn't get to know about it, only the two witnesses knew about it, technically it will be valid. But, what then becomes the dividing line in terms of the public perception between nikah and zina? 
Who knows this person is married? Somebody's going to see him somewhere down the line. And what is going to become the perception? So that is a separate issue that these things cannot remain secret for long. But it's totally against the spirit of nikah, totally against the maqasid shara the objectives of shariat. Among the objectives of shariat in terms of nikah is that it should be totally clear, open, announced. It is against the spirit of nikah that it is done in this way. But the other part that we are discussing right now is that a person conducted this nikah in this way. Now, besides those two witnesses, nobody else is aware. The spouses and those two witnesses are aware. Time went on, those witnesses also passed away. Now, eventually he passed away. But that second wife is an A also in the estate. And you are not going to get everybody like that incident. Some of these incidents are there for ibrat of what level of piety there was in some people. One person, Ibn Jawzi, others have mentioned this incident that he was a merchant in Baghdad. So life was carrying on very happily. And one day some lady came to buy something from his shop. And he suddenly got attracted to her. Eventually, long and short, he finally married her very secretly. Nobody was aware of it. But as time passed, his wife suspected something has changed. There's something different about this person now. He is not the same person that I knew all these years. So one day she told her slave maid that you follow him tomorrow and carefully watch everything, where he's going, what he's doing, and come tell me, don't inform anybody anything else. So the next day, this person, as per routine in the morning, he went to his work. Then after his Zohar Salah, rather than coming back to his work, he takes another turn. He is not aware that he is being followed. So this slave woman is following. He walked into some other neighborhood. Then he went to a house and he went to inside the house. So she observed everything, where he went. So she eventually worked out how to try and find out what's going on. She went and knocked on the neighbor's door. The person, whatever he is and who he is, the neighbors will often know best. As one friend of mine just recently mentioned, that two past two aides, a little bit on the lighter side, he says, he was advising his son. He says, you see now you are about to now, deciding to get married, so you're going to be looking for somebody to get married. So, number one, you don't find out about the person you want to get married to, first find out about her mother, because eventually one day that is what she's going to be. And don't ask her mother's friends, ask her mother's neighbors. Because they know all the tamasha that carries on. <laughs> so, she went to the neighbor's house, and she knocked on the door, and she inquired just in a roundabout way that I just needed to find out something, so they invited her inside. And now while talking, she inquired who lives next door. So you say, well, this our neighbor, this lady lives next door, and a few months ago, she got married to this merchant from... Baghdad, this person who, he comes every day after Zohar. So she got the full information, well this person is married now. So she came back, nobody else knows what's this whole issue going on. 
and he came and informed her master, the lady that is, whose slave she was, that well, this is the whole story. So this lady said to her that look, whatever has happened has happened, but this is our secret, you keep this to yourself, you dare mention this to anybody. And now she knows what's going on, but she pretended not to know anything. And she still conducted herself in the same way as previously. Now what was going on in her heart, only she knows, Allah Ta'ala knows. Which is obvious that she might have been shattered in a million pieces. But Allah Ta'ala gave her that sabr that she continued to conduct herself in a way that as if she knew nothing what happened. And everything is fine. Time went on. Some years later, this person passed away. When this person passed away, now the inheritance, this is the whole issue now. The inheritance has to be now distributed. When a person passes away, his wife gets one-eighth. And if he had more than one wife, Islam is permitted up to four wives. Obviously, a person has to be totally just. That is a totally different topic altogether. Perhaps we will discuss it someplace. If he has more than one wife, they will jointly share the one-eighth. So now this person had two wives, so each one will get one-sixteenth. So now as this whole thing was being distributed, so this wife, she had everything in her possession, because nobody else knew about the second wife. So it was 500 dirhams, the one-sixteenth, 500 dinars, 500 gold coins. So she called this maid, the slave woman, he said, you know the house that he went to. You are aware of the person. So now you take this bag of money and you go and give it to that lady and say to her, give her the news that your husband has passed away. Perhaps she doesn't even know because this person was ill for a while. So tell her your husband has passed away and this is your share of the inheritance. It is your right. Now what level of taqwa this was? If she just quietly kept it for herself, nobody would know about it. So the maid servant, she took this, she went all the way to that house, she knocked on the door, she came in, sat down, who are you, what's the reason for your coming? So she then gave the background, I'm so and so, I've been sent by so and so, and the two things are, one is that you were married to this merchant, so the issue is that he has passed away. So she wasn't aware of it, because he was ill for a while, so he hadn't been coming. And because this all was in a secret, nobody told her anything. So she started crying. And then she gave her this bag of 500 gold coins. That I've been sent with this, that this is your share of the inheritance, the one sixteenth. So now when she gave her this bag, this lady now was obviously saddened by the news of the death of this person. But then she woke up, she went to a cupboard, and she pulled out a piece of paper, one paper. And she came and gave it to this maidservant, you take this along with you, that I was married to this person, but about a month and a half before he passed away, he divorced me. And this is the, or oh, sometime before he passed away, whatever it was, he divorced me. This is the proof of he, he had even written it out. So now that he had divorced me, I was no more his wife. And I'm not entitled to any inheritance. So you take this back, this belongs to his wife. Now this taqwa on both sides, how many places will get? 
That way one person is ready to give it, it's not mine. Though her heart was shattered in a million pieces when she heard the news, that my husband has taken a second wife and that too secretly. But Allah Ta'ala has given this right, it's not my prerogative. Allah Ta'ala has given the right, whoever is entitled to it must get it. In the Quran Sharif, in these ayat where Allah Ta'ala discusses all these shares, the roundup of this ayat, the roundup of this discussion, the last ayat of this discussion in this ruku, Allah Ta'ala says, Tilka hududullah. All these various details are mentioned, who will get what share and who will get what share. Finally Allah Ta'ala says, Tilka hududullah. Those are the boundaries of Allah Ta'ala. So, this wealth is very tempting. This wealth is very, very tempting. And a person may be tempted when it's inheritance time now, it's wealth for free, which he didn't even work, or work for sometimes. There's a massive estate and there's millions to be gained for free. But now a person's eyes go bigger than his stomach as they say. Now what he's getting for free, he's looking at somebody else's share also. And especially if he has it in his control, then it's as if he's parting with his own wealth. So those moments are moments of great temptation. So Allah Ta'ala is saying, Tilka hududullah. Allah Ta'ala has made these boundaries. Who will get what? Allah Ta'ala has decided. So therefore, مَن يُطِعِ اللَّهَ وَرَسُولَهُ يُدْخِلْهُ جَنَّاتٍ تَجْرِي مِن تَحْتِ الْأَنْهَارُ خَالِدِينَ فِيهَا وَذَلِكَ الْفَوْزُ الْعَظِيمُ Those who will obey Allah and His Rasul Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, then they will enter the Jannat. And that is the greatest uh, success. But وَمَن يَعْصِ اللَّهَ وَرَسُولَهُ وَيَتَعَدَّ حُدُودَهُ those who will disobey Allah and His Rasul وسلم, and they will transgress His boundaries. Such people enter the fire of Jahannam. So this is in general all the laws of Allah Ta'ala, but specifically after discussing the laws of inheritance, this discussion is rounded up with this ayat. That beware, these are the boundaries Allah Ta'ala has placed. Allah Ta'ala's boundaries don't transgress.